Project A Podcast. Hi everyone, welcome to the Project A Podcast for Founders. My name is Charlotte. I am Head of Venture Development at Project A and I'm really excited for today's episode. I have Jacob here with me. Jacob is CEO at Butter, one of our portfolio companies, and I'm going to be able to pick Jacob's brain on anything pricing today. I'm really curious to hear your learnings, the journey you've gone through. But maybe before we dive into the topic, you introduce yourself, Jacob. Yeah, I'm super, super excited to be here. Um, yeah, so my name is Jacob um, and I am the founder of Butter, which is like Zoom, but for workshops and trainings and collaborative sessions. Yeah. Awesome. Um, tell us why with Butter the topic of pricing even comes up. So for many for many people out there or other, let's say, portfolio companies and ventures, pricing is is not that big of a topic. So why why are the two of why are the two of us talking about pricing today? Yeah, um super super good question, Charlotte. So so just to give you a bit of context, uh, butter basically started out during COVID. Uh, so we started back in May of 2020 doing uh, we were actually a, a small team that had previously done worked together as a remote team before. And we were doing workshops for companies that had been pushed remotely by, by COVID on how to work together remotely. And it turned out to be tremendously difficult to do these workshops or trainings online, uh, both because of the technical overload. So as a workshop facilitator, I suddenly had a big focus on, uh, you know, on all the technology, on making Zoom breakout rooms work, on sending out Miro links and, and stuff like that. And the second one was just that it was tremendously difficult to create energy in these in these sessions. And that was kind of why we built Butter as, as an all-in-one tool that kind of took away this technical friction from uh, facilitators doing workshops or trainings or any kind of collaborative sessions. And secondly, just to create something that was inherently more delightful and, and interactive. I think to kind of get to the meat of why pricing is incredibly important is uh, because pricing is one of the one of the true unlockers of understanding uh, product market fit and, un and understanding uh, that your your true target target audience or, or ideal customer profile. And again, when we started building Butter back in mid of 2020, uh, what was most important for us was actually ensuring that we truly understood the problems that we were solving with uh, the product that we were building. And we did that through talking to literally hundreds of uh, what we call workshop facilitators. So that could be anything from strategy consultants to coaches to people doing design sprints, scrum masters, uh, product designers. There, there are a lot of different, uh, a lot of different people that do things that could be workshops. Educators. Um, the issue with talking with so many people is that uh, you also get a lot of different opinions in that on what you need to build, on what each individual person's problem uh, is, and so on and so forth. So from the very early days, we, uh, when we were building Butter, we, we tried to hone in on what's the commonality between these people, but also try to understand whom of these people could be our uh, optimal beachhead market, like where should we enter, who should we target. And that was both from an organizational perspective, like should we target what we call independent facilitators, so one man or one woman armies, should we target small and medium-sized enterprises, should we go for, for big companies up front, like where should we, where should we enter first? 
Um, and all of this, uh, to begin with, is very hypothesis-driven. Of course, you get a lot of in insights from the various users uh, that that you that you interview. We also launched Butter uh, very early. We didn't go uh, from a waiting list perspective. We actually went directly out and gave everyone access to Butter. So we ended up getting quite a few users in the first half year, uh, uh, three quarters of a year, um, from all walks of life. So we had. Uh, we had educators high, from high schools. We even had primary schools that were suddenly using Butter. We had uh, big uh, learning and development uh, organize uh, learning and development people from big organizations uh, using Butter. Like we had uh, organizations like Ernst and Young and Accenture that were suddenly using Butter for their internal trainings, and and and, and a lot of other different uh, different organizations. And that was basically roughly three quarters of a year or a year down the line when we began already, uh, when we began discussing, okay, like how do we, how do we correctly, most correctly identify um, which of these organizations should be our beachhead market? I, it was probably even before that, right? Uh, but it was very early on, we started talking about who should be our beachhead market. And we started doing a lot of analyses on retention. We started doing analyses on product market fit. You might have heard of Superhuman's product market fit engine. We implemented that, uh, got a lot of statistics in on uh, who would be very disappointed if they couldn't use Butter anymore. Um, and uh, then we, we, we began seeing extreme growth spurts in uh, the educator market. We had a huge explosion in uh, in Taiwan, of all places, where uh, the Taiwanese Ministry of Education started promoting butter and a lot of the schools and universities started uh, using butter. But we were already there a bit, at that time a bit reluctant, and all of them gave great product market fit scores. They were retaining, they had very high levels of frequency. But already there, we were a bit worried about education as a market uh, for uh, three main reasons. One thing was uh, go-to-market for education is quite complicated. Uh, you'd have to go from geography to from geography, a lot of different systems. We were uh, concerned about the willingness to pay because uh, education is traditionally a market that's very hard to get to pay. And thirdly, we were very concerned about uh, post-COVID, like how, uh, uh, um, how we'd be able to retain this market after COVID uh, was, was over and when people would be going back to classrooms. I think that was so that was around summer of 21 uh, as almost a year down the line of in the story of butter and we started kind of discussing pricing as the main tool there to even though we had all the positive indicators for this market we needed to make sure that well we almost needed to confirm or, or deny whether this market was a true target market for butter and pricing uh, was as we saw it the only real tool to understand whether education or any of the other markets that we were we were targeting and they were seeing quick traction in were the correct markets to to target. If I can jump in there just to understand what were some of the signals that you were seeing from this market that told you or led you to believe that a year after launching the product, so we're speaking August 2021, was the right moment for you to consider that? What were some of the signals that you were seeing? Yeah, so... Um, I think there were so there were two big things that kind of led us to to say pricing now. I think the first big one was we're building a video conferencing product and reliability and performance is just the, the hygiene factors you can say for a video conferencing product to be usable 
is actually quite high. Like the, the, the barrier to entry is, is quite high. And the ones we were competing against were not other startups. They were very much the entrenched players of Zoom and Teams and Meet, Google Meet. Um, so at that time, a little over a year in, we had started like all of our metrics within performance were starting to look quite good. So at that point, we felt that we were delivering on the hygiene of uh, Butter's product and uh, and we were not afraid that we'd begin seeing churn because the product didn't function, <laughs> which sounds a bit basic, but you know, on other products, you, you can actually, like the hygiene level is so much lower, so you can start pricing at an earlier stage because actually kind of still works and it's it's not as as mission critical uh, during the session that it works mm-hmm. so i think that was the one thing that kind of led me to led me to go there um or led us to go there um i think the other thing was we we felt that we'd also had enough traction on the growth side we we all of our growth at that point and, and actually still uh, was coming from word of mouth uh, and it was growing uh, quite solidly from that perspective so we were not afraid to kind of kill the momentum before it had even started um so, so those were kind of the two things that really led us to, to mm-hmm. the price point there and uh, tell us a little bit about what happened then did you so how did you go about because it's, it's obviously a, a you know a critical or let's say a sensitive decision on, on when to introduce that did mm-hmm. you what were some of the preparation that went into it when did you launch it how did you launch it did you only launch it to that specific market or for everyone. So what, from the moment you decided, okay, seems like the right moment to start thinking about this to what happened operationally within different departments and different teams to say, okay, now it's live and you can actually pay using your credit card on the platform. Yeah. Super good question. And it was, I was actually surprised at the, how extensive it was, and I, maybe that's kind of the third thing on why we did it there. We had the resources to do so because it was rather resource intensive to introduce pricing. I think there were there were three main kind of operations from teams. The first thing was the different was the market research. Uh, so doing a lot of user research, we sent out surveys uh, to understand what the value metrics that we were supposed to price based on were, uh, what level of price points we could be expecting or should go for. Uh, um, so I would say, by the way, in hindsight, it's nice with the research. It's even better just to get it out there and test. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but we did research. Second thing was the whole product and designing all the different product flows and triggers that were needed in in the product uh, to to ensure that pricing simply made sense in there. Uh, that we had the correct gateways. That we have even had a pricing page. All of that jazz. And the third thing, which was the most extensive and and which just takes way more time than one realizes, was the whole backend setup uh, and, and setting up the, the work, say, the pricing systems. And especially setting up the pricing system so it's reasonably modular. Because if you, like one thing, and I'll, I'll get to that, but one thing we, re- we truly realized was that pricing is not just, it's not just launching pricing. It's when you launch pricing, then it's launching and iterating and iterating and iterating almost as much as you do on a product. So when you're building the, the the backend infrastructure for pricing, it is also tremendously important that you uh, build it in a way so you are able to to modify it on an ongoing basis afterwards. Uh, so those are kind of the three motions that we went through. Mm-hmm. Maybe talk a little bit about the resources. So how much time did you have to um, hire additional engineers, and how much how much time is currently being put oh. into maintenance or building this out further from the team? 
Yeah, so we had, uh, especially from an, like from an engineering perspective, which was the biggest uh, manpower investment, we had two, uh, one and a half backend engineers working on it for a month to kind of get it implemented, plus kind of loose change. Uh, so it was it was rather extensive, and and now maintenance wise, I'd say it requires half a half a backend engineer's time on an ongoing basis, um, and then when we are making pricing changes, then it becomes it becomes more intensive. Uh, for instance, now we just launched a big change to the pricing. I get back to that uh, last week, uh, and we're making even bigger changes now, uh, and 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 especially building it to become more modular, so that we didn't build it modular enough to begin with, and now we are making the pricing more modular and 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 allowing us to to iterate more quickly on it. Uh, but that's also taking a, an extra backend engineer's time uh, for for a couple of weeks just to create that modularity. Mm. And, and run us through a little bit. Okay, so what what happened in terms of communication, in, in terms of um, um, customer feedback, and launching it? Let's say, uh, yeah, um, in a phased approach or to your to all of your users at the same time. Yeah. Oh, that was we had so many conversations around that. Like, should we do like a test island and only launch pricing to some people? Should we do it in a phased approach? Like very concretely, what we decided was to la- was to launch for everyone uh, because our test again it was not to test price points; it was to identify product market fit with beachhead markets or understand beachhead markets. So an MRR was not like or getting getting to high levels of MRR quickly. That was not the initial intention. Um, so. Therefore, we decided that the only way to truly understand who is our budget market is to launch this to everyone. Um, we what we concretely did was offer a uh, launch or an early bird discount. So for the first uh, half, oh, I think it was half month or a month before we even launched pricing, we we started foreshadowing. Hey, these changes are going to come. These are going to be the plans because we already had the plans kind of uh, defined at that point. Um, and we said we told all users, hey. Uh, if you sign up now, you can get thirty percent off on the annual um, on the annual packages uh, uh, for for the product. And we actually got quite a nice head start there on on users uh, buying uh, buying butter uh, even before we had we had launched based on this this early bird discount. Um, and then we on like we on an ongoing basis communicated very frequently to users hey this is going to happen there the early bird discount is going to run out at that point and kind of created a sense of urgency um on okay say uh, for for people to 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 purchase i think that sense of urgency could have been escalated even more if we'd been smarter about it we could have had you know 50% off for the first week and then 40% off and 30% off. And I created a narrative around it. We didn't do enough of that, but it still worked out reasonably well. I think, I think another learning there, uh, it's an interjection, but annual packages actually help a lot on cash flow. And I hadn't really, well, I mean, of course it makes sense when you think about it. Right. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but, but, but it's, it's, it's weird. Like your whole startup changes once you have pricing in that, because suddenly, like, I remember, um, uh, uh, my, my chief of staff, she was looking at our bank accounts. She was like, Jacob, there's, there's something coming, there's money coming into our account for something called ripe. What is that? You know, <laughs> And it was, of course, the first Stripe payments that were coming through. And it was like, but we were so unused to money actually coming into our accounts that it was. <laughs> I, I bet a lot of founders out there can relate to that. 
<laughs> so it, it and it really changes and that's also why suddenly like the impact of annual packages on your cash flow and you suddenly see okay like if you constantly get x percent of your annual packages and x percent in monthly then you're actually able to extend your runway by pushing the annual package and like y- your mindset shifts a bit when you suddenly have cash coming in and it was it was an interesting <laughs> interesting experience <laughs> <laughs> so what was what was your reaction what did you find out what did you learn Oh, and that, like, um, I'd say oh, so many things. Um, the first thing was this whole getting pricing right the first time is just so, like, it's impossible. So don't even, well, of course, try. I'm not going to say don't try. <laughs> but but just don't expect it to be right the first time and expect to react very quickly on the signals that you get from the first pricing. Uh, very concretely, for instance, our freemium plan was way too generous, right? So we saw way too few people converting. We, we've got three tiers, a free and two paid. We saw way too few people co- converting from the free to the, to the first paid tier, but a lot of people buying the biggest paid tier because they really needed it. And that was a very weird uh, structure. Uh, so we had to react quickly and redefine our free plan, for instance. So, and, and I think it's just like, listen to... The, the input you're getting right away and be ready to reiterate. Uh, so I think that was kind of the, the first thing. Um, second thing I'd say was this whole having an, like building pricing to be, as I mentioned before, more modular. So like a, a, a allowing to test out add-ons. So we've, we've, we're now testing on a number of different add-ons that we're not even advertising on our pricing pages, but like as people respond, oh, could we have more of that? Or we need that or whatever. We're testing out with the add-ons. And if we see enough people kind of asking for that, then we're trying to kind of uh, put that into the, uh, into, into the pricing. And the third and probably most important thing that was back to the whole to the whole customers, like you really don't know who your true customers are before you start pricing. Before pricing, like we already had the education thinking that they wouldn't pay too much. And we, yeah, I mean, that was proven totally. So, so it, it, that was confirmed through that. But what we were also surprised about was that independent facilitators, so one man consultants or independent consultants or whatever you want to call them, we thought that they would be a very nice, be- nice beachhead market but they turned out to be extremely price sensitive and they turned out to have very low or surprisingly low bargaining power towards their end users, like the big organizations like enterprises or SMBs that they were doing projects for. So when an, an independent facilitator, for instance, would do a project, they would not, they would do a project for, what do I know, like an SAP or they might do a project for, uh, for for another DHL or big organization, but the big organizations would actually determine the tools. So even though the, the independent facilitators were very excited about Butter, loved our value prop, whatever, they couldn't actually really use it with the big organizations, which, which kind of kept them from paying. Whereas uh, small and medium-sized agencies that we thought were maybe a bit slower to adopt, they had enough tool or bargaining power on the tools towards these large organizations that they'd work with. So they could actually choose them and they turned out to be very, and they were not price sensitive as price sensitive either. So they turned out to suddenly be big buyers of butter. Um, so it's, it's very surprising the things that you discover when you start pricing and you should be ready to react to these target market or, or, or ideal customer profile um, uh, say insights that you get from from the early days of the pricing. Mm-hmm. And let's say how do you how do you gather these insights or um, these signals from your 
from your target group? Is it by actually really speaking to these people? Are you, you know, are you being, are you in contact with them? Is, is there a channel that you can use to address them? Or what were some of the KPIs that you were looking at to determine what the signals are? Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, the biggest KPI becomes money. And I think that there's a certain beauty of that, <laughs> right? Um, so yeah, for sure. We were talking to every single, every single paying user. We made a, a case of, of, uh, of talking to them and understanding why did they buy uh, we've, we fortunately have extremely few churning users, uh, like uh, like paying users that end up churning now. But we also make a what you say make a case for understanding why would they churn. So it's and it's always talking to them. That's like the main thing, right? Then in terms of in terms of other KPIs that we look at, well, we look at the same we 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 do this look at the same activity metrics that we were looking at prior to pricing but we compare you know the pricing cohort with the non-pricing cohort and we try to understand you know what activities make these paying users make them unique uh and whereas we before had to like identify a unique activation moment where we believed, hey, now this user looks like they're using butter a lot, and or they are using butter a lot, and we believe that they got activated there and there, um, and and we believe that they may be a high value user. Now we know who the high value users are because they are the paying users, so we are able to um, uh, isolate this cohort of paying users and understand what their activities were, as opposed to. Um, what the non-paying users activities were. Mm. So from what you're saying, it sounds like you have a pretty good data infrastructure behind it that allows you to track all of these KPIs. Is that true? And and how do you basically juggle, let's say more like of the, the financial KPIs versus the product analytics KPIs? Yeah, I, we, we have, we have a lot of data infrastructure. As <laughs> um, it's, it's been a focus from the from the very early days, and, and setting that up from the beginning is so much easier than building it retroactively, right? Uh, so yeah, we are able to we're able to marry all of our uh, all of our financial KPIs with uh, with our product analytics KPIs. Uh, very concretely, we 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 even we're able to pull in. Um, we're using uh, mix panel through segment uh, as our product uh, as our main product analytics suite, uh, and we're and we're then using chart mogul on top as as our um, as our revenue analytics, and we're able to marry the two uh, and 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 cross reference. Uh, I can say product activity data with um, or product analytics data with uh, with revenue data. So yeah, awesome. Cool. That's that's really good. I mean, like those exactly those sort of operational insights are really helpful for our, our listeners. Uh, mm-hmm. Something they can concretely take with them into their journey. Yeah. Um, maybe one thing I'd be curious to understand is how do how do all of the different teams support the conversions of let's say freemium users to paid users? What what's happening across different teams? Oh yeah! Oh, it's so interesting, right? Because it's uh, it's it's not at all what you'd expect. Again, we're early stage, right? So we're twenty people, and everyone kind of has to carry their own weight. Mm-hmm. It's kind of beautiful. Um, but of course, like again, uh, if you take it kind of by team by team, like the product design, uh, or well, the tech is the one that builds the infrastructure, and I think they're doing a lot of the sub, like the deeper level support when you've got customers that. Uh, that want uh, very customized packages, right? Uh, and very customized pricing. So in the beginning, it was very handheld. And now they're, as I mentioned, building things to be a bit more modular. But tech's been 
absolutely instrumental in ensuring that we can modularize pricing or, or uh, uh, specifically in product design. They've built all uh, well. They're building the product to convert, and we're focusing a lot on different angles within the product where people can potentially convert. For instance, in butter recording is one of the big features that people need to use for professional purposes, and that's a paid feature. So we wanted to make sure that they had a good that people have a good experience when they try to record. And I asked to pull up that credit card. Um, we've got product growth that runs experiments to optimize conversions. We've got community that are focusing a lot on creating support and validity around the product. Uh, and then we've got content that focuses a guide on guides and, and, and credibility around the product. It also then helps helps conversion, like user stories, interviewing a lot of our different users and creating use cases on that and, and, and things like that. So it's kind of the whole organization that's pulling towards this beautiful, beautiful moment when when a user uses that credit card. Uh, and would you would you say that in the future you need a person or a certain function in your teams to solely focus on this effort? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think the one big thing that you see is we're very much kind of in the product-led growth camp uh, in terms of a in terms of a company. And what you see there is often that customer success and sales are kind of um, are kind of pulled together in one function, especially in the in the earlier days, uh, because at the end of the day, where you really need when people are already asking for customer success then then that's a that's a good opportunity for them either to upsell or to uh, help them con uh, convert a user from free to pay so i think that that function well currently it's me <laughs> <laughs> so so i think i think that that's that's one that that's a that's a function that we'll for sure need 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 in the future what what's the plan now going forward so you've implemented this probably five to six months ago what's the, what's the pricing roadmap now uh, the big so the big next steps we just did um, a big update uh, last week where we reduced especially the freemium plan quite a bit um, and that like we instantly that's that's so amazing right so we instantly the next week we saw way more conversions from the free to the lowest tier plans on the monthly lowest tier plan so that the easiest step to go up so really seeing the the, the impact there I think next steps we are on we're building more modules for the pricing plans. And then we are also building in team accounts. So it turned out to that to be a big limiting factor with our current pricing plans was that we don't really have an ability to upsell. So once a customer's bought the biggest plan, then there's no real way up. Um, and um, in retrospect, that was utterly stupid of us. <laughs> But uh, I, I, I definitely see now a lot of opportunities for building these team plans and for uh, for, for for creating a we can say a pricing setup where we can way more easily upsell uh, to, to to current users, and they can also get value from that upsell. Of course, is there a way back <laughs> from the point where you introduce pricing? Can you say, "I'll try this out for a few months, and I'll see how my customers react, and if it doesn't work, we'll just pull it out again"? I've seen it, so I don't think there's any way back for us. And actually, I, I wouldn't want that way back. Like I. I really think that pricing creates a focus, like a common focus and a common metric for the entire organization to focus on. I think that like that, that there's there's something amazing about that. There's some and, and you feel it's a different organization after you've turned on pricing. Um, so I wouldn't want there to be a way back, but I have seen other startups before that have run pricing experiments and then chosen to 
give back the money even to the users just saying hey like yeah we just wanted to show that you wanted to pay for this right or see that you wanted to pay for this to me it, it feels a bit it feels a bit unnecessary i also think that it's very healthy for the organization to get the mindset that we're building a business we're not building a free product mm-hmm. um and we're not giving away stuff for free like all of like building a business costs a lot of money so we need to generate a lot of money um so it wouldn't be something that I'd want for any organization to go back from from paid to to free. Yeah. You already shared uh, many learnings but maybe as we're as we're coming to the end of this podcast maybe if you're now talking to you know future founders current founders that are making their first entrepreneurial steps or somebody that is in the same position as you were in six months ago what would you say number one do number one don't. Number one do would be introduce pricing earlier rather than later. It gives you so many learnings, helps out in so many different ways. Don't tougher, um, and I'm very biased there, but don't undersell yourself. And by that, like we we set our pricing reasonably high, so it was not that our price point was too, too low, to be honest, but we, for instance, we uh, made our free plan way too generous. That's also underselling ourselves. Uh, and I do hear a lot of others that simply put their pricing way too low. Uh, so uh, I think that's the number one don't. Don't undersell yourself. Awesome. And I bet there are so many people listening to this that when they first heard, you know, Jacob from Butter is, is in this podcast, is probably now Googling Butter if they haven't heard of it yet. So people checking it out, hopefully, as we speak. Um, can you drop a little discount code for everybody listening to the podcast? Oh, I thought you'd never ask. Of course. <laughs> so if you if you enter the discount co- code podcast10, then uh, you'll get 10% off all of Butter's plans. So yes. This, Amazing. This for the next month. Yes. For the next month. Awesome. Cool. Well, Jacob, it was an absolute pleasure having you. Thank you so much for sharing your learnings on when and how to introduce pricing and your learnings. Um, I'm sure they will be helpful for future and current founders out there. So thanks so much for for coming on here. Thanks so much for having me. All right. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. If you did, how about you subscribe on Spotify and or iTunes and give us a rating.